So welcome to the Weekend Wild podcast. Welcome. I am Jim and this is Pat. Um, for those of you who have listened to us, you already know us. For those of you that are new, welcome. Um, typically we cover, you know, uh, pretty much uh, we're, we're to the core, you'd say we're musky fishermen, right, Pat? Yeah, to the core. And then uh, with a little bit of walleye sprinkle in or smallmouth, northern, of course, northern. And uh, as the as the season progresses, we change into deer hunting. Yeah, deer hunting. Um, you know, springtime comes up. We're back on. You know, I I start with turkey hunting. Jim starts with bass. Yeah, well, a, a northern bass, musky, whatever, early season, whatever we can fish. But yeah, so it kind of goes. You know, summer fishing, fall hunting, and then winter turns into like an ice fishing slash shed hunting type thing, and then back into it. So for those of you that have listened to us for a while, you may have noticed the name change again, and uh, we just were looking to rebrand and spice things up. And today we have a very, uh, very opportunistic conversation to show you guys. Something is, very special in this episode that you're about to hear. This is uh, very. This is very. Uh, we were honored to have this conversation. So we have a conversation coming with uh, Joe Brooker came on for the first little bit, and then Stephen Paul, the uh, author, Musky Guide, and the host of the Musky 360 podcast. So going forward, we will be uh, launching uh, typically where you guys can find us, but you can also find us on the Muskie 360 app. Yeah, I'm I'm so excited. This is uh, that in this episode you'll hear we were clearly pretty starstruck. Yeah, they uh, we did not expect the uh, the Joe Brooker uh, showing up. We no. did not. We did not. Me and Pat kind of stared at each other across the table like, uh, "What do we do? <laughs> <laughs> what do we say to not sound stupid?" You know. I like, guess I fish pole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. It was. So. Um, that's it. Uh, enjoy the conversation, and uh, you can email us and find us on social media. And uh, actually, I should say the email address now is contact at weekendwildpodcast.com. So that's contact at weekendwildpodcast.com. And then on social media, you can find us Weekend Wild. Uh, pretty much it's just Instagram and TikTok are the two that we're on. Pat's going to get his own. His uh, fiance said so. He's going <laughs> to, uh, our wives run the social media kind of thing. We do the work, they do the editing. And so on Instagram, you can find us at, or you can find me at uh, weekend underscore wild. And uh, me, I will share those details when they, <laughs> when they happen. Pat's been pretty anti-social media up until this point. So well, anyway, that's it. Uh, enjoy the conversation and please reach out to us. We're, uh, we're right there just a click away from contacting us. So don't be shy. Say hi. You know, you like that? You like yeah, what I did don't there? Don't be shy. Say hi. <laughs> and, uh, but we, we just can't wait to get started. This is, this is really huge for us. So. Thanks for listening and enjoy the conversation. Is that so, Joe Booker? That's Joe no. Booker. He's it's not Joe Booker. Oh, no. Come on. Uh who do no. we have on? So Booker. Uh, oh Jim Sarek. Yeah, I know his voice. <laughs> Did you say Jim Sarek? Yeah, <laughs> so I don't know how you want to kick this off. I was just gonna, you know, we were gonna do a little introduction before this and then lead into this. So so I'm gonna like fanboy to death here. I'm like <laughs> he's, he's sweating, let's guys. <laughs> I caught my first muskie on a Booker top raider. Hey, you can end, you can end the podcast right there. Yeah, right there. Yeah, that's it, folks. Vote <laughs> <laughs> it in. start it right there. It's actually a super top raider, but yeah, it was actually super. Actually, funny with that. Uh, after he got there, like, pretty much when we got into muskie fishing, uh, we were out and saw a big splash. Something hit that lure, and we're like, we got a muskie on. And this thing fought like hell, fought like hell, and it turned out, what was it, a 20 or a 22-inch smallmouth? 
that hit it. Oh yeah, no, I caught I caught like three fish on that lure. Two of them were smallmouths, but, but it was um, a big enough smallmouth <laughs> to take that thing. Love it, love it. And love I'm, it. I'm kind of afraid to throw it now. I think it actually because of like how much I threw it, it kind of the back end of it sinks a little bit. So I, I might need to go buy me another one. Absolutely. Yeah, just keep throwing it. Now, where are you guys? Where are you guys based out of? Uh, Pat lives in Naperville, Illinois, and I'm down by Joliet and New Lenox. Cool. And you uh, do the bow hunting thing too? Oh yeah, we're big bow hunters. Yeah. That's actually that's big all we do. We don't even do firearm. In fact, uh, I had my first kid this year, and we were doing the baby shower last fall. And I even told my wife, "Okay, if I, you want me at the baby shower, it's got to be during firearm weekend." We even yeah, started doing uh, waterfall last fall. <clears throat> Got your priorities straight. That's good. Well, you know, obviously, then you, you probably already know that that's, you know, it's a passion of mine as well. Yes, I did hear that. I heard you shoot a Boone and Crockett buck every year. That is not true. <laughs> heard that from me. <laughs> yeah, well, I, 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 I shoot, no, I, I, you know what? I shoot a good, I, I shoot a Pope and Young every year. Wow. On I'm, public land too, right? No, all private. Uh, you mean you know, Buffalo County? So it, it's all there is over here. You know, it's just private, and I I don't want to farm over here. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. This, this shows you what I know about hunting. Zero. <laughs> <laughs> Pope and Young, Boone and Crockett—it's all the same to me. Don't so. dive in because it's a it's a very deep rabbit hole. Pat's way more into it, it than is, I am. I'm it more is. of a fisherman. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I, it's Steve. Don't go there. I know nothing. No, and just, I'm just Kern, yeah. I'm just the both when it comes, yeah. Just the both. The archery side, is, Steve, is it's 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 obsessive as obsessive gets. Um, you know, musky guys and, and and bow hunting guys get a get a get along really well because we have some of that same obsessive nature. But um, you know, it's 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 similar. It's very similar, but you know, it's very similar. Um, cool. and that's why musky guys make good bow hunting guys and vice versa. Yeah. yeah the, the frustration involved, if you're okay with being frustrated yes. for hours and <laughs> yes. hours on end. Yes. 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 A lot of waiting, a lot of, a lot of prep work, a lot of skill training. Yes. All of that, all the above. Yep. I had my fiance oh. in the boat yesterday and she was like, I can't believe you have the patience for this. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, well, you know, I guess it just comes with the territory. You know, I know it, so, it sounds like we're getting good stuff. Are you rolling or are you ready to rock and roll? Oh, I've been going the whole time. Oh, very cool. I, I have no clue what's going on. I'm completely an idiot. <laughs> as soon as you answered the phone, I hit record just in case. Man, after you know, hearing your credentials, I would say that you are the exact opposite of an idiot. You know, my, my, my credentials are local alcoholic slash fishing guy. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is absolutely not true. And, and this guy. Local you know, by the boat. <laughs> this guy here, if the the deer are lucky, he doesn't hunt. Deer bucks are those big bucks are just lucky that Stephen Paul doesn't doesn't hunt because if he, if if he hunted, they'd be in big trouble down there. <laughs> He'd come up you with know, the best I'm, arrow of twenty twenty three, huh? Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, the problem, the pro, and I've told Joe this, the problem, the reason I don't hunt is I'm a, I'm a true lefty. And so growing up, it was just like, you didn't have the, the accessibility. You know what I'm saying? So like, you would, anything that was like gas discharge shell was like right in your face. And you're like, this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <Guess what>? yeah. <laughs> I can debunk that one too, because, you know, I'm a lefty as well. 
Wow, and, really? And, and Are yeah, you this, it's, it, yes. I had to shoot. I know. I had to shoot. I had to shoot. The thing is, is you know, um, you know, since we're talking hunting, you know, uh, you know, scoped guns, scoped firearms, you can shoot either way. Um, that's one of the things that people don't even understand. they don't they don't get it with you know with firearms that have that have any kind of optics on it. You can shoot them left handed or right handed. Um, and I do that a lot when I'm turkey hunting, you know, if I'm set up on a, on a stump and a turkey comes from where I didn't expect them, I just shoot him with, I shoot him right-handed or if he comes the other way, I shoot him left-handed. As soon as you put your eye on that, on, and, you know, and you're looking through that reticle, it really doesn't matter. Now it does matter how, 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 you know, how a shell ejects from the firearm, but, um, and that's, it's really not a big deal. You just kill him with the first shot. Yeah, oh yeah, that's the, you, you gotta, yeah, oh, that's a given. Yeah, you don't even need, to, don't even walk out there with three shells, just take one. That's right. That's yeah. it. You know, that's the way bow hunting is. So, you know, left handers, even in the bow hunting world, you know, it's kind of, you know, we can set up our tree stands different and, and, um, and, you know, it's, it, and, you know, for today, for, you know, all, all, all the, uh, the hunters out there that are, are hunting with, um, with crossbows too, you know, I mean, the crossbow world, it's pretty much the same as the firearm world. When you're shooting through optics, you can shoot them with either hand. So we have a weird beef with the crossbow world being in Illinois. Um, sure. I'm, we, I'm sure uh, you do. I'm not a crossbow guy myself, but I mean, that's, I did, I, I hurt my shoulder one year, not to interrupt you, but I hurt my shoulder one year. And so for several seasons, I had to hunt with a crossbow and, um, you know, it's yeah. There's big advantages to it. No we've question. always we've always supported like uh, you know like elderly and young kids and yep. like injured. But like, well, I'm old timer guys. <laughs> yeah, like I, I had a good buddy of mine who just uh, <laughs> uh, I was up there hunting at his place about a year ago, and he could only hunt with a crossbow. He didn't have the strength anymore to to pull back a compound. So he, uh, I I totally support that 100. percent But when I see uh, a, an SUV full of dudes in blue jeans going and banging out the woods. Then you're like, <laughs> then then you start yeah. to get a little angry, and you're like, well, these these guys, you know, they probably sighted it in eight months ago, and it's yep. been sitting in a case, and it's just yep. not. It's not no, archery season, is what we've always said. We always yeah. said, like, you know, post rut, if Supposed they put on a if they put on a right. season for it, that'd be fair. Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not what archery archery hunting and archery season was intent ever intended to be, right? Right. Yeah, it's just it's yep. it's too it's almost too easy. There's no form. You know, or at least there's less form, and uh, there's a million ways to shoot up a you know a compound shot. There's just a million. The biggest ways. thing for me is that you can rest it, and you can use an optic. Is yeah. the two things that yep. really got me going. And you can't, and you don't have to hold. You don't have to hold hold that draw, and 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 those those make those just that that's what makes the archery world um, challenging, and that's what makes the crossbow world not. Yeah, yeah. I shot a deer last year. Didn't get him, but um. I shot him, but I held that bow for probably two, three minutes at least. And it's a 60-pound draw. We upped it to 70 now. But that deer would not stand still. Came up to the tree, ran away, you know. One cool thing about mm-hmm. us is we're kind of, uh, we're kind of well, at least I am. I'm a bow geek for sure. Big time. I, uh, I do a lot of arrow tuning stuff. I make my own, you know, I glue my own fletches, cut my own arrows. I experiment with yep. broadheads. It's kind of like a, yep. th- that's the biggest rabbit hole that I, um, I guess that I I dive down when it comes to hunting. He's a he's a gadget guy, big time. He'd rather play with something than use it. What? No. Yeah. Come on. Definitely. <laughs> no. I'm, uh, is he the same in the when he's fishing muskies too? Is he always 
it's not settling into just just learning one bait? Oh no, actually, uh, he and my brother-in-law are the reason I throw soft plastic lures now. They, I, I always kind of found them to be gimmicky, and now I actually seen them productive. So it's now I, I own medusas and bulldogs and all that stuff. Okay, well there you go. So you know, they just uh, you know, Mister uh, Inspector Gadget, there's probably uh, broadened your horizons. Oh, he. Uh, let me tell you this: when the bow's not shooting right, he's the first guy I come crying to. Hey, can you look at this? Yep. Can you look at this? You know. Yep, gotta have one of those guys, man. Yep, they're they're critical in the archery world, no they, doubt about they it. They all laughed when I brought a uh, a chronograph. They're like, "What do you need that for?" And I, I actually bought it for rifle stuff, but uh, everybody's happy to see what their bow shoots. You know, oh yeah, I'd Absolutely. love to use it. Yeah, but then they'll give me crap yeah. about buying it. You know, you, you know it's interesting the 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 um, the comparisons and the crossover to muskie, the hunting trophy muskies in particular mm-hmm. with whitetails and, and hunting trophy bucks. There's so many similarities, but I think the biggest the biggest thing is like even the meticulous mindset of what you guys do with your with your bow hunting equipment, the meticulous mindset that you have to have with with musky gear um and just making and prepping and getting everything ready so when that one moment arrives you know you you've got everything in your favor and that's kind of what happens in, when a big buck comes right oh absolutely yeah this year i got into a I, I guess it's a good habit but it's also kind of a bad habit now i retie about every i retie about every half hour because i broke off a bunch of uh bucktails and rocks so now i'm like paranoid that i nicked a rock with my, you know, with my braid. So I constantly retie. It's like, it's always a, you know, constant state of readiness, you know? Well, get this a generation ago, you know, you guys are, how, well, how old are you guys? You probably don't want to uh, divulge that on the air. Oh no, I'm 34, past 32. He's the baby of the family. Yeah. You guys are, you young, you know, a generation. Uh-oh, lost him. I'll get him back. Oh, no. <laughs> what Joe's referring to will buzz me in a minute. You know, back in the day, even when when I was young, we're fishing Dacron, we're fishing thirty pound mono, and it became the game that you were retying constantly. It never ended. So, you know, a lot of these old school guys, guys that have been in the musky game for a long time, you just become so anal retentive about your knots. You're just looking at nonstop. There's not a bad habit to have. So. so the guy that uh, owns our resort, he he wrote a book, and this was kind of like our Bible when we first started musky fishing. But uh-huh. uh, he talks about taking his line off his reel and drying it every night. I don't think he ever did. I think they did back in the day when it was like silk or something. I thought that was it was story. silk. My my grandfather when he's running trips, and and my dad when he's a child, they 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 told me they would take the line off and put it in the bushes. Oh, so. like string it over the bushes to dry it out. Yeah. And, and that's all you had. It was just, it was the name of the game of, of, of this is what we have. This is the best quarter we have. And you got to dry it out or it will rot on the reel just from, from moisture. It was crazy. So, man, that's a labor of love. That there. is a labor of love. Couldn't imagine. So, Joe, Joe might call back. He might not. He might go in his house and eat barbecue. You never know. With I don't Joe. blame him. <laughs> no, I appreciate you like, bringing him on. That's that like insane. an honor to talk to him. I've only like watched this guy my whole life. You I've know? watched him. Yeah. I, uh, like, cause like when I first got that, when I first caught that muskie on that super top raider, I got it as a Christmas gift. So I wasn't like researching mm-hmm. it before I bought it. But uh, after that, I dove down the rabbit hole of all of the Joe Booker stuff. And it was, uh, man, that was, that was huge. I've never. <laughs> I've never, I, I, you know, I would even recognize him if I ran into him at a gas station. You know, that's that's they, just they, insane. 
the thing for me with Joe, it, that was my childhood, you know, because I'm, you guys are like in your 30s, I'm like in my 40s. So that was, I literally got topwater terrors for like a birthday or Christmas or something. <laughs> like the, the, v, I still have the VHS tapes and all that stuff. So the VHS you know, tapes, get, yeah. Oh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I wore them out. It was me studying at a certain point. It's like, you know, somebody's studying, somebody's jump shot in the NBA. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I stopped. I stopped listening to what he was saying. I'm like, back it up. What do you do? How do you do that? Where's your rod angle? You know, what's the setup? How fast is he turning the handle? And I remember counting like handle charts. <laughs> I've taught him that. He's like, really? I'm like, dude, I was like geeking out like one, two, like pacing what he was doing. That's in the, the video. One thing about so like trying to find your speed is like, you're just trying to mimic, you know, the guy that's catching the fish. You're trying to mimic exactly yeah. what he's doing. And it's very, the one thing that can get lost on you real quick is like how fast you're cranking. You know what I mean? Well, and the thing I'll tell you is this is, is what I learned and, and Joe and me, our, our guitar players at heart, you know, I hate to say that, but, you know, my background was in the music business long before I was in the musky business. And, and Joe is his music nut, his tempo. And so probably the weirdest thing that I do is, is let's say a client or somebody I'm on the boat with, you know, Canada last year, whatever it might be. I'm seeing a pattern emerge. I'm watching their hand and trying to figure out the BPM of their handle turns. Yeah. So if the if the top of the reel is is one, what does it take for a revolution? You go, okay, now we can actually dial in a speed of a retrieve on a casted bait via BPMs. And a, literally I have a, a, a metronome on my phone where I do it all the time. I go, <laughs> what was that doing? And so you can dial it in, but so it's like, you know, with a headlock or a depth rater or whatever it might be, where I go, you know, 3.2, 3.7, 3.6 is the, the trolling speed that's really killing them. How do we dial in on, on casting speed? And the only way to do that is, is to gauge the, the handle turns on on a repo. Yeah. And sometimes and so, it's yeah. just hard to feel, you know, sometimes the, the tip of the rod doesn't tell the whole story in terms of. You know, what no. you think is going on with the lure, you know? No, most of the time, I'll tell you, it, it, if if you're slow rolling, you can't feel it. You just have to have faith that bait's working, whether you're slow rolling a 500 or 700 Booker tail or double tens or anything below the speed of Mach 10. You know, everybody wants to feel this resistance on their rod, and they're like, oh, it's not there, you know, so... I get that problem with eights, double eights a lot. I got it's like, is that thing spinning or not? Because it's just such a light load on some of these rods. I actually have a downside. It's like a heavy bass rod. I throw showgirls. Uh huh. Right. And uh, but some of those I've lost faith in with spinning, and it's like they do come back kind of wobbling. But I did find out if you, I, I actually bend them at the blades right where that clavis goes through, and I bend them up a little bit, and then I then you could actually feel them. They spread out. You a little might get wider. a little bit of joy. Yeah. Let me see if I can get Joe. You might have to punch an edit here. Let me see him. He texted me. Oh. Sure. Joe. Yeah. Okay, Joe is back, folks. No more speed. <laughs> Welcome back, Joe. We, Welcome back, Joe. We, you know what, guys? Sorry about that. I live at you know I live out in the boonies here, and and we got uh, ever since all these trees started to bloom and and the wind is blowing, it uh, sells been a tough deal. All right, so weekend weekend wild 
you guys got five minutes before you lose Joe Booker. What do you want to ask Joe Booker? What have you been dying your entire life before the phone signal craps out again? I'm going to go hit the head. You guys have at it. All right. So the I'm a big Top Raider fan, as we discussed earlier. But uh, there is a huge debate in my family about when to throw a top rate like a super top rater versus a regular top rater and my my knowledge of it right now is that you throw a regular single top rater when it's super calm and you throw a super top rater and anything but is that the truth well i would i would dispute that only because can you hear me okay yeah yeah, I would dispute that only because it seems like you can catch a fish on a t- on a straight standard top rater, uh, and big and from a heavy chop to a, to calm conditions and everything in between. There are no conditions where, you know, the original top rater doesn't work well. Okay, and did you get all that? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So with that being said, when do you shoot it? When do you throw a super top rater at them? Um, I would say I would say I would say a super top leader definitely works um, better in a chop um, than it does in calm conditions, and it seems to really excel, fellas. Um, two things: one, when they when when they're on a big blade bite, and two, when when the when there's a lot of people throwing top, you know regular prop baits. This seems to be the bait that, you know, that still gets strikes when they, you know, when they won't, they won't hit the other, when they won't hit the regular prop bait. Does that make any sense oh, to you? Absolutely. Definitely. Absolutely. I, yeah. Uh, so, so you know, summarizing I, the top rater, the original chop rater works good all the time. No matter what the chop is, no matter what the conditions, calm or rough, it, it's just, it's just works. But the super chop rater definitely is better in, in, in waves and better. Um, in conditions where you want you want to throw something different on them. Yeah, you're just trying to create like a totally different uh, presentation. A totally different sound. Yeah. yeah, I'll tell you. Here, here's 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 a great time to throw a super top reader. Here, uh, you, you know, here's a super time. Here's Man, a throwback. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, but um, no, it's a throwback bait to a fish that followed or struck short on a regular top reader. Yeah. What about to I, another I, top water, I, like a walk the dog or a creeper or something? Yes, yes, yes. Um, one of the best and the worst TV episodes back in one of the last years I was on broadcast TV, one of the best episodes I ever had on, I got hooked real bad after I caught the fish. Um, but I threw, the fish blew up. Um, I It might have been a walk the dog bait I was throwing. It blew it up, missed it. I grabbed a rod with a super top reader and I pitched it to the audience said, you know, this is when I really like a super top reader is a throwback bait. And I threw it on that fish and I, you know, burr, 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 and I started cranking it and whammo, the fish ate it. And I made the mistake of picking the fish up with the bait in his mouth to pitch the clothes to the show. And the fish shook and dried, drove the treble hooks into my hand. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, oh, man, that's what yeah, I that's would like too. That's my biggest fear. I end up cutting a lot of hooks because don't ever do that. I that was like that, that that incident uh, cured me forever 
uh, of ever holding a muskie with a lure in its mouth um, that's got multiple trebles, you know. I, I just, well, for posing close shots and photos and stuff, even though the lure looks great in the fish's mouth, it's so darn dangerous. Hey, Joe, something, something I actually, believe it or not, you've seen it in person, right? My dancing raider retrieve. Yeah. Which is just the like. Thing, you mean the schizophrenic wild nut, nutso retrieve? Yeah. <laughs> I was talking, I actually gave that one up on the podcast last week and a bunch of people have been asking about it, right? Which is the same yeah. thing with like a follow-up for like a top raider or a super top raider or any top like the walk the dog, which you can take the little dancing raider. I'm putting like super short shank sevens on that thing and just beating it to death. <laughs> And they can't stand it. They come unglued. He's not exaggerating, guys. I see. <laughs> I, don't, I don't fish anything. Uh, I, that's the fastest thing I fish. It looks uh, so stupid in the water. Like a jet but ski. But that's like one of the. It, a jet ski. No, not that bad. Up. No, not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> but it's one of those things like Joe taught me years of, years ago where you're going, there's. there's you know, the surface, the top of the water, if you will, is, is a different edge. And sometimes you got to mix it up. And like between Dancing Raider and Super Top Raider, that gives you an advantage over a lot of the conventional or the other common topwater baits. You know, because the Dancing Raider, its profile is not that big, Joe, really. Was it four and a half, five inches? Yeah, and 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 that's you know you're you're hitting on a lot of points here, but that that is what, maybe the most underrated bait in our entire line. That bait yeah, is yeah. just freaking deadly. Yeah, oh, I uh, I love it. I throw it all the time. I, I even find myself throwing it's, it in fifteen feet of water sometimes. You know, love it, love it. Yeah, but Steve's retrieve, it's it's like if he's got a video ass go faster. Yeah. He's got to put it on video. He's got to put it on video sometime, oh. uh, you know, because it's it's just it's insane how fast he's going and how, how wild it is. And it's like you got to have a full pot of coffee, you know, <laughs> to even think about doing this, you know. Coffee, he says. Yeah, <laughs> it was only a powdered donut, guys. I promise. <laughs> 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 the, the thing is this. <laughs> What I love, because, you know, Joe, Joe throws Joe baits. And it's just like, I've seen dancing raiders like you go, Suic Weagles or Pose Giant Jackpot. Those are pretty much the perennial walk the dogs or dock's bone or whatever. And you'll get follows and you go, the dancing raider sets a sleeper because it has that walk the dog. It makes more wake than all those baits. But it's such a small target. They're like, ah, I can hit that. That's yeah, when they hit it, they gobble it. Yeah, yeah. They, oh, yeah, they choke that thing. Like, ah! <laughs> They're just on it. So you guys got but any you gotta, tips for before, missing before fish? You, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. God, before you throw, do, before you do the Stephen Paul retrieve, though, you, you got to get yourself all kind of like Tasmanian devil worked up before you do it. <laughs> 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 so when you're doing a figure eight with that, how how fast do you go on what, the figure eight? Are you what, literally dancing a, around the what's boat? A, what's a figure eight? <laughs> <laughs> they, just you do the they just eat the damn thing oh, dude. You, it, to be you know you know it's, that's an interesting thing you know it's uh, the figure eight is so effective so effective with prop style lures like the top mm-hmm. raider and yet would would you know would would jerk baits dancing baits like that walk the dog baits it's not nearly as effective mm-hmm. you know 
you you can you you better get that fish to eat out there because uh, you know it's you catch some of them you catch the really hot you know the, the frantic one super frantic one and maybe with steve's you know tasmanian devil retrieve you can get them to hit at both sides for the most part i have not been able to uh you know i've caught some um but but like you know it's it's just not that effective at both sides i just what I, I, I have a real hard time getting it to work the same way on a figure eight on the side of the boat you know what I mean? The trick for me is, is regardless of top water bait, walk the dog, right? And Joe, you've heard this for you. Get them to walk in their own wake, right? I work them like the Dickens until I'm 15 feet from the boat. And then I'm slack line twitching, like, which is Joe's shallow waiter, raider twitch, right? You've seen it in videos for years where the bait's moving, but it's not advancing as much. And I just stop the bait. Bam, 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 bam. Spencer cans like pat, pat, pat. The bait's just turning. And if they take it, they take it. They don't, they don't. And and the turnaround for me is you go, okay, if I got a follow there, my boat partner, whoever is a client, whoever is better have some double eights or a single seven on to follow up on that fish. All right. All right. With that in mind, guys, you want you want a you want a, you want a, a book daddy secret on that? Of course, book daddy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I won't tell anybody. Secrets. I promise. All right. Here, here we go. And Chaz Martin and I perfected this a couple of years ago. Is making certain that you know when you're working that style of lure, that the guy behind you is is throwing a little blade. Hmm. 500 or 700 class bait burning it but bringing it in timing it and this is you know talk about coordination with with archery and all this other stuff here's you know here's a fine-tuned presentation with two guys you know you're, you're bringing in your your walk the dog bait and you and you and if you do spot the follow you go, i gotta follow i gotta follow the guy the guy with the little blade mm-hmm. you know throws 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 out you know outside that fish so and starts burning that thing so when that when that walk the dog bait comes by the boat with that following fish you can draw that fish right off of that bait and boom pop him right there and i mean i've done that on shaz i don't know how many times i've done that no seriously there's a couple of you know there's a couple of, of incidents that just come to mind where i've done that and it's like it just blew them away, you know, but it's, you know, it's, it's something that you want. If you can remember this, you'll, you're going to, you'll score on a couple of fish doing that. We're going to go do it tomorrow. I imagine, uh, I imagine you got to be pretty uh, fluent with your fishing buddy there though. You can't, you got to be on the same page kind of thing. Yeah. That that's work. what I mean. That's what, I, that's what I mean. I, and, 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 um, you know, I used to teach my clients this, that, you know, you know, you always try to keep your, even when I used to guide, I used to try to keep guys spread out, you know, the, you know, that don't, don't throw your lines too close together, except in this situation, in this situation, crossing over the guy's line, it works. It works. We do a lot of that. We do, we do a lot of that sometimes on accident, <laughs> sometimes on purpose. We have thrown behind well, plenty of fish tra- tra- before. Yeah, try to do it on purpose when a guy's got to follow on a any kind of a jerk bait, you know, where you, where you're getting a you know jerk bait, a walk 
top one rate where you're getting these doggone follows, even if it's a prop bait, like it's operator. If they're follow, 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 follow itis, you know, that that throwing that bait, as you can see the fish, you throw the bait past and over the guy's line and past the fish, high rod, so the guy's lure comes underneath your line, and then you come in. This is a book daddy trick, dudes. <laughs> yeah, book no, daddy it's, trick. Uh, I wonder, <laughs> you wouldn't happen to have any tricks for them uh, to stop missing walk the dog lures, would you? Uh, well, this is, this is, you know, what's funny about it, for them missing walk the dog lures. It, you know, one of the things is one of the things you, 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 you know, you, a lot of people get too rhythmic mm-hmm. when you're working a top water lure like that, you know, whoop, the whoop, the whoop, it the feels whoop. good. Yeah. Look, it's just working so cool. It's back and forth, it's back and forth. And a muskie just goes, yeah, 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 yeah. All the way to the boat. And if you, you know, boom, boom. Boom, 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 you know, just keep mixing swing. it up. Yeah, you you got, you can't, you know, you can't be a good, you can't be a, you can't be a rock musician when you're doing this. You got to be a jazz guy. Yeah, I'd say more of the rock musician type, because I do get in that rhythm, and it's just kind of like you're looking at yeah. the clouds, and you're, you know, you're kind of bop, yep. bop, yep. bop, 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 yep. you know, real good yep. at it. yep. Yep, More yep. steely Dan, less ACDC. There you go. There you go. <laughs> that, was actually a, that was actually a really good reference. But yeah, I, <laughs> walk the dog is something that I just don't I don't pull that out of my bag of tricks too often. Jim is like awesome with it. I take it. I see, I see a lot of fish on it, but man, most of the time they're mm-hmm. missing it. They're like, you see a big tail come up and a big splash and it's like, Oh, you know, I speed it up and maybe try to play dead. They, and they, that's it. They don't hit it again after that. So around here, well, we like do I a said, lot of, uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, Jim, I was going to just say, like I said, think of those things we talked about here. One of them is, is, you know, one, one thing, by the way, with the walk, the dog bait and you getting those moving, those fishes, those are good fish callers. You know, yeah. you, some, sometimes it, you, 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 you get fish fired up or you get them to at least look at a bait, even though they don't hit it, they now revealed themselves. Exactly. You and know where one's at. That's one of your, t- yes, it's, it's like glass and it's like glass in a buck out of range uh, or seeing one, you know, in your tree stands, just a little off. Um, you know, uh, if you consistently see deer out of bow range, uh, you know, and there's another tree and even though, you know, you, you got this, this stand set up just perfectly in this one tree, but you know, they're, they're always a little out of range. You got to take the tree stand down and move it over to the right tree. Yeah, right. And, 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 and yeah. And, 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 and when, when, how that relates to musky fishing here is the buck, you saw that buck and it gave itself away. Now you know for sure he's there, and and in the musky world, once a musky, a big musky, comes up on a lure like that, and it might not have come up. What I'm saying is, it might not have come up on anything else. Um, you know, the uh, our glide radar is the same way; it pulls fish up that you won't see on a lot <laughs> yes. of other baits. You know, it's hey, all there. They, are. yeah. So, but now you got the fish spotted. What I do a lot is spot fish, go back in low light or night. And catch them, and hey, Jeff, and uh, uh, use use a spotter bait to catch to find to see them. But here's the thing, and one thing I, if anybody that owns their career to a glide rider, it's me. And what do you think of that viral video I sent you? Yeah, the, with the pike in it. Yeah, that was wild. Yeah, wasn't that wild? Yeah. You go. Yeah, 
Dude, just just a bait that'll pull up anything. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to hijack the thread here, but he brought up the opera thing. I was laying in bed last night and I texted Joe this video. Random dude, he's in flood stage conditions. He goes, Glide Rider. <laughs> Biggest pike of his life. <laughs> and and you look yeah. at a bait and you go, Eh, yep. 10-inch phantom. I'll say it. I don't give a shit. I'm on these guys' podcasts. I can say it. I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and we appreciate oh, that. Right. <laughs> it's not musty 36. Y'all caught like a sim. If you're not turning glide right here, you're a fool. I remember there that. It Believe is. it or not, I, I still that. throw the two the two main glider walk the dogs I throw is a Salmo and a Hellhound. Those are the, my two main <laughs> ones I throw. Well, if you like little fish. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's really interesting it's really interesting guys how many guys that i know that are good friends of mine that have banged real big fish including the guy that's on the phone with us here steve uh steve and paul i mean we talked about Chaz martin a little i mean i mean his his one true 40 pounder he caught throwing a glide reader it's a big fish bait big fish bait mm-hmm. Big fish bait. I've heard him a lot on the on the Musky 360 podcast, Chaz Martin, and I've, I've oh, back yeah. in the day, yeah. I watched a Good bunch dude. of his videos trying to do uh trying to fish an opener once because he had a he had a lot of information on that. And um, oh man, I think it was like back when your podcast first started. I was listening to him when he was mm-hmm. coming off the water in like mid November, like the day before ice is on. You know, Pat actually went back when he found the podcast and he started the whole thing over, and he's been listening to every episode since. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry. So I'm not kidding. He's no, it was great. <laughs> it was great to see the evolution because, you know, we're trying to – this was like maybe seven or eight months after we started our podcast. And uh-huh. I went back and I went to the beginning and I just saw the evolution of how you guys did things. And it was inspiring. I mean, because, like, Steve, I'm willing to bet you do a lot of that stuff all on your own, don't you? What, the podcast? No, I mean, like, all of the background stuff, like the music, the everything. Oh, Oh my God! Every like, if there's a song, whether it's a cover song or not, I've played every instrument. So I have like an electronic drum kit and keyboards sitting here in the studio, and we do it. And it's like that's been Paul. It's like me or Boot Daddy, or I'll be like, "Hey, let's make fun of uh, Dire Straits." Now I just have to play the entire song so I don't get sued by ASCAP <laughs> or BMI. And so there's a lot of Pepsis that go into that, but yeah, but you know, it, it, it's interesting. Like Chaz and Chaz, I love Chaz to death, and 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 you know the 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 family tree of Boot Daddy, right? So he's Boot Daddy for a reason. But you've got some really good sticks in that family tree. Yeah, which is guys, like uh, <clears throat> the one guy that you have uh, on there uh, frequently, Jay. Yeah, it, but not even Jay as much as like me and Chaz, where it's just like. Joe found us, and he went. I can mold these guys, and that's and a lot of the guys. yeah, a lot of the big guys in the industry. I'm, I'm very proud of that, you know, from Steve Herbeck to yeah. to Doug Wagner, Wagner. to Chad yeah. Martin. Yeah, Doug Wagner. Doug Wagner's one of my camera guys. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's kind of cool, uh, I, but very proud of that, you know. It's you're well, like that's why Bill, you're the Bill Belichick of musky fishing. <laughs> you know what, dude? It, it's kind of, it's kind of nice though. I can sit back and you know, and, and pull on my suspenders and smoke a cigar and let these guys do all the work now. <laughs> and, and, and go check my trail camps. Check the trail camp. Well, well, Boot Daddy, thank you so much for being on. We're gonna keep this party going. We'll talk here shortly. I'm sure Jim and. Everybody wants to talk deer hunting shortly. We'll wrap this one up and we'll do a boot daddy exclusive on Musky 360 here shortly, okay? 
Thanks what for coming time on. are you going to call? Yeah, Joe. I, we, we, got you guys. We, we appreciate your time so much. Oh, it was great. Really, I got a pleasure. I'm looking forward to meeting you guys in person someday. Oh, oh soon enough. All right, so now we're just talking with Stephen Paul. So, yay, yay. And uh, I just want to say, first of all, your brand new book I read in about two days. It literally was two days, not about. It was two days. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, it, it didn't take two, day, two days to write. I can promise you that. Oh, I bet not. You gave away some serious secrets in that one. Even some of the ones that like, I knew, I'm like, man, he just gave that away for a cheap price of a book, you know? And I have to admit that uh, I was going to borrow it off of Jim when he was done. So. Absolutely. <laughs> just steal it from him. Um, Thank you. Yeah, just pass it around. Nobody, guys, we'll get a, a thread going. No one else has to buy the book. Just borrow it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> just, no. just email me your address when, when the next right. guy's done. And I was listening right. on the podcast. You sold out in five minutes? We have sold out three times of the book, and we can't keep them in stock. Yeah, twice I went to go get it and it was gone. It, it's been cool. So, uh, probably the most humbling moment in my musky career. So, it's up. So, it, here I'm. I'm sitting here in the bait cave. If you ever listened to Musky Three Hundred and Sixty podcast, oh, yeah. it's oh, weird. Yeah. It, it's weird for me to not be in control of a podcast, <laughs> but but it's weird. So I'm sitting here in the bait cave, and I have a shelf. So I've got a bunch of guitars in front of me. And I have the original Titan. I have the book. And it's like, I look at them. I go, what one's cooler? Because, like, the original Titan sold so many copies in the first hour. Or, not copies, but baits. And the book came out. I was like, the publisher I'm working with that actually made the physical books, they're like, okay, most average books will sell 2,000 copies a year. And I said, okay, that if that's what we're doing, that's what we're doing. They were gone in an hour that's amazing and, and everybody's jaws hit the floor and we keep selling out of them so you know the thing with the book when i sat down and did it it was funny where i went okay the podcast is like this goofy personification of me right if if you if you fish with me and there's guys from the podcast that are podcast listeners they come come down to tennessee and they fish with me and go and literally uh, I'm I'm buzzed. I don't give a shit anymore. But <laughs> I can say I, I can it. say that I can say that on your podcast. <laughs> I can't fucking say that shit on mine. But it's it's like six o'clock and I'm drunk. Um, for me, it's weird where everybody expects me to be Steve on the podcast, which is ha ha ha, and I'm you know fucked up out of my mind and being funny. But in reality, that is what I have to do as a coping mechanism to be able to do the podcast. <laughs> I got you. Um, because, I, the book was I, a very serious tone, at, like way. Yeah, that's what I'm getting. Yeah, which is that's that you nailed it. Where podcast Steve would be here's here's stupid jokes every two pages, and I started that, and I went, "That's not me. This me is." There is a hard determination meet between cover and structure. And it's not very palatable, right? Yeah. And, and the 360 podcast has been a vehicle for me to be like, all right, dude, loosen up, stop being a turd, and talk to normal people, where in reality I'm kind of dry in, in this this German efficiency of nerd. <laughs> 
<laughs> dude, you're, you're, I mean, you're really good at it. You're really good at turning that off and doing the podcast because that's that's the whole reason you keep listening is because it's hilarious. <laughs> How stupid will he be? Yeah. The, my favorite episode of the podcast was the murder cabin. I laugh about that all the time. Do you remember that one? Oh, I, I lived it. It was, oh, that was awesome. So, so let me tell you this, and I'll give you a tidbit. I didn't talk about last year because they're a great sponsor of the Musky Shop, right? So I will not say where I stayed last year. Honest to goodness, and I am I am kind of in this weird place where you go, I don't need, you know, I don't, I don't adhere to any any dogma, if you will. But every night I was in this other place I'm staying where we dealt with what we called Hank Shufflefoot. <laughs> you would wake up in the middle of the night, his like feet shuffling. And you're like, is this guy like disco dancing across the room? <laughs> so I don't know if everything in the uh, in the Northwoods is haunted or just people go up there and shoot themselves in the head in random hotel rooms. <laughs> I, d- so I mean... Get- I don't know. The Northwoods just has that vibe. Like uh, my fiance, she was looking at the the one resort you want to go to next year, and uh, uh-huh. they're all it's it's a Northwoods thing. They're all kind of run down, and they're all kind of a little grungy. But that's the flavor, yeah. man. You know, it's a, it's a murder cabin right down from the cabin, and I have never said where it was. If you wanted to know, you could message, and it, it, it's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know this until last year. We went back to just fish it, and there's like a plaque on a tree for some dude that died like 13 feet from that cabin. Oh God! And I, <laughs> dude, I swear to God, I am, I'm a big old boy. Nothing scares me too terribly much. I woke up every night there, like what the screaming, <laughs> 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 right? It scared the living shit out of me. Every time I was there oh, and wow. like we, me and Ty were like, when I was saying it was like just nasty and like you could set a drink on the floor and it just fall over. Cause it's so crooked it was completely real. It was disgusting. <laughs> the shower didn't work half the time. The fridge, like there were like, n- there was more food in the fridge. It was rotting than we had to eat. Wow. And the place was just just gnarly, and 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 every night you would wake up to like the, just the door slamming, and you're going, "What is going on?" Which is, you know, I know it's not a ghost hunting podcast or something like that, and that's really not my motif. But that was the weirdest, freakiest dog shit place I've ever stayed in my life. I'll tell you so, the one that the one recently that actually I was out, I was on my trail about to do cardio, and I'm warming up, and I start going. And it was that the Fourth of July one you guys just did, where at Jay's house the fireworks were absolutely insane, <laughs> dude. Those were, were some of those in the beginning, like like uh, sounds that you added in. Hundred percent real. No way. That, <laughs> that, <laughs> I, where I'm laughing that hard, that was so real because I just called Jay. He's like, dude, I don't know if I can do it. I was like, dude, I'm so tired. So I I fucked up so bad. Where generally my schedule like. I don't do St. Patty's. I don't do New what is it, New Year's Day. I don't do obviously Christmas or Christmas Eve. I don't do you know Memorial Day, Labor Day, Fourth of July. I don't guide those days. Period. Well, randomly, someone had booked with me. I didn't even think when they were like Fourth of July. It didn't register in my head. I was like, okay, great. You know, it might have been December when they did or something. 
so it, it boiled down to I had to get off the water. I was like, holy shit, it's 4th of July. <laughs> now we got to do the podcast. So I get home and I call Jay and I'm like, dude, we need to do this or we're going to be up all night. He's like, we'll try. That was legit. That was so funny. I was about to die laughing. Until I made the podcast, man. Oh, I was, I was like trying to run. I was like taking off and I was like laughing. And there's people around and stuff. And I, that, it does, uh, in the headphones, it's way different than if you're listening oh. to the car. And, 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 and when I'm, dude, when I'm hee hawing, that was legit. That was like 100%. <laughs> like, it, we don't, other than the intros, like when we do the dumb intros on the podcast or whatever. It might I love be, those too. The rest of it is just just one take. We don't punch anything. I don't care. But, you know, um, with it being with associated with the musky shop and associated with the booker, we try to keep it a little more clean. You know, my favorite word starts with an F. I try to avoid that as much as possible. Other than that, <laughs> with Jay and all that, we just we just move on. And that that was one of those brawl dog moments where you're like this is so stupid and when i was like dude i have to call you back i was just laughing so hard because it literally sounded like jay was just gonna explode it sounded fake it was like it was <laughs> it so funny because it was it was like it sounded like he was playing something in the background and i oh. knew you were laughing your ass off but i, oh, I was, yeah. I was it, like this has gotta be him punching the like the, dude, you know, you, the f key on the no, I can't, dude. I can't fake laugh that hard. That was, <laughs> when I, 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 I don't really listen back out of embarrassment, to be honest with you, because he goes, well, how beat up were you last night? I don't want to know. And yeah. uh, and I listened to the top of that. Jay's like, you have to listen to that. I'm hee-hawing my ass off because it is just so stupid funny. And I can't even concentrate when I, when I sit you what got me, and I sort of got myself by saying that Jay lived in the park in a pup tent. Yeah. Like, all I, can, all I can see is just Jay homeless being a douche living in the park, no. you know? Yeah, I think he said at a festival, right? Like he was, he was the, the fair. The yeah, county the fair. fair. Yeah, that's right. It's like Jay's at the, Jay's at the county fair, everybody. Like, leave me alone. It sounded like he was at the grand finale of a fireworks show trying to record that. That's what it sounded like. But they were that so was, loud. <laughs> They were so loud. Like, how did you, the problem is if you like myself and like two other people ever on planet Earth have ever been to Jay's house. I mean, you know where it's at. It makes sense. So he's like right by where the county fairgrounds are. <laughs> and I, like he just texted me, like, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm doing like a podcast interview." Okay. And, and me and Jay's relationship is really goofy. I love him to death and he's my best friend, but he didn't like warn me. I said, Hey dude, is it good, good time to call? Can we do this shit? Right. And that, that will be like my text to Jay on any given week for three seriously. I'll be like, Hey dude, can we do this shit? Okay. <laughs> That's it. Did you get him to record that, uh, Lee Greenfield cover? Yes. So <laughs> what, yes. <laughs> what happens every week and I'll be driving home from a guy trip. I'll be like record this song. He'll be like, what? And I'll, it's always in the car. I'll just get it in my head. I'll be like, this would be hilarious as shit. I'll be driving back from a guy trip. And I'll be like, grab a pen and paper and we'll sort of work through the words. And he'll do it karaoke track and then email it to me. 
and we'll go from there. That's, that's awesome. how that, that's how that kind of works. And most of the time he's like, that's not going to be funny. And he hears it back. He's like, that's retarded. <laughs> and, and, and sort of like my rule for the podcast, if it's the dumbest shit I've ever heard, I roll with it. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Because, because uh, the things that kill me in muskie fishing is like this, this bombastic, pompacity to I'm the dude, right? Yeah, right, exactly. I have number one selling bait last year, number one selling bait this year. Book, all this, blah, blah, blah. Who gives a shit? I don't. I'm a dumbass. <laughs> you know? I, I, think it's, a, I still think it's pretty impressive. That's a nice little notch in the belt, though. Well, who gives a shit? <laughs> well, the, the thing that the thing that brings yeah, me to the podcast is because you get all you know. You guys obviously have a lot of talent, and our I don't know first decade, decade and a half of musky fishing was everybody who was just they wouldn't tell you anything. They Jim caught a fish, a big fish, and he right. went back and he told people, and everybody was mad at him. They wouldn't look at him. Yeah, nobody wanted to talk. Nobody wanted to ask any questions. That changed since. And we thought that's what the musky world was until we started hearing it. It is. It is until you hear us. I don't give a shit. Fuck you. Well, I love helping. Like we'll be out. We'll be out throwing for muskies, and like you could right. tell, there's like this dad with this younger kid, you know, ten, twelve, whatever. And you could tell they're not like they're new. They don't know what they're doing. And I do right. like I like helping people like that out because I want that guy to turn that kid onto a fish because they'll do it for the rest of their lives if they do it. Here's here's the deal. My dad, who I, I adore, he's passed, right? Sorry, he yeah. was totally into musky fishing since it. He was actually on a musky boat. I think when I was born, um, and it was that musky zinc dick measuring shit, right? Yeah. And and who's the best? Now this, I don't care. What I want to see happen is. A guy that has the weekend off, or he's got his trip to Canada, he's got a guy trip. I want him to catch the fish of a lifetime and have a good time because the rest of it doesn't matter. Nobody's ever going to like be like, and here lays Stephen Paul, and he caught 17,000 muskies. <laughs> <laughs> no one cares. And it's so funny. It's just like very negative zone or very secretive zone where – a guy in, a, you know, like with the podcast, a dude in upstate New York is not affecting my fishing in Tennessee or Canada or Wisconsin. Yeah, right. We're not affecting each other negatively. Can I show you something that will have an impact positively on your fishing? Hopefully I can. And outside of that, I don't give a shit. This, like, this tiny dick shit, I don't give a fuck. The, the I don't. I, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Steve. I was just going to say, I don't care because, like, the the basis of musky fishing has been literally who caught the most or the biggest. And who cares? I mean, if I never catch another musky until the day I die, which could be in three hours or in 30 years or 50 years, if I can show you something that will enable you to have a positive experience on the water, I've done my job. I think that's the one growing pain that the musky world has had is that you have so many people that are locked up and don't show their secrets and don't tell anybody anything that it's hard to grow. And I, I think that's the, it's the main takeaway, the main, um, it, it, it is, I mean, it, it, it totally is, which the main takeaway is 
I, I'll give you a taste. I'll show you what I did, but you won't see what I did. And here's the bait that I used so I can sell the bait. In the rest, there's no sharing of structure. There's no sharing of seasonality. There's no sharing of like the master classes we've been doing on the Muskie 360 podcast for years. Or I can't shit for that. Yeah. Why are you telling people that? Well, because I want them to catch fish. Well, one thing I noticed too with people, they think they're keeping a secret and it's, it's not a secret. It's like, oh, your secret's a bucktail over a seaweed bed. Like that's, that's your secret. <laughs> yeah, it's your secret. It's black and orange. Yeah. That's a big, that's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's like when Joe and I, so, you know, I've been honored enough to, to spend the boat, spend time in the boat with like Booker, right? It doesn't get better than that. Probably not. <laughs> we don't think about pressure or other boats we don't well i will go right behind you that's awesome that's, that's most awesome. people most people are missing fish and most people would use a hand a lot of guys get real smug they buy their musky rods and they've caught 20 muskies in their life and they think they're a musky genius and uh they don't listen to anybody else anymore and that's fine but the rest of the people are fathers and sons or retirees or somebody, the husband and wife think, I want to catch a big fish. If I can help that person do that, dude, that's awesome. The most, the, the thing that gets me excited more so than anything anymore is like, dude, we listen to podcasts. And there was a, there was a guy that sent me an email the other day. He and his father-in-law bonded over musky fishing. They caught four muskies in four years, Right. They read the book and they listened to podcasts and they had a four musky day. Man. Wow. Good day. Very good day. And a little bit of thought process. And I even told him, I said, don't, don't thank me. Thank yourself. But I told you the truth. I will say after reading that book, I was just with Bush Light Billy today because we're going up on our annual uh, musky trip that we do on the uh-huh. flow, on a triple flowage uh like uh was that end of august september end of you august. know right it's always the week before labor day and uh but i told him after reading this book we are approaching this at a very very different like angle than we normally do because it usually it's it's shallow flats with top waters you know right maybe maybe a bucktail here and there but we are going at this totally different after reading that book here's where i can tell you i don't know what you do for a living i don't care what you do for a living or any of your listeners do for a living right if you suck at your job 99% of the time and get fired, I get paid to catch muskies. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Moving hey. on. Take from that what you will. Hey, and I'm not trying to oh, it, it's not it's not smug. I'm dude, you hang out with me in the boat, I'm a retard. I'm a retard 24-7. I don't really give a fuck what anybody thinks of me. I am totally me. I'm totally happy being me, right? What I want to do is statistically close the gap between me and actively feeding fish. Yeah. I miss I miss hot bites. If it's a topwater bite, I'll probably miss it. If it's a burning blade bite, I'll probably miss it. But that's a small percentage of the fish. Yeah, very especially the topwater part. Yeah. Um. So... The one thing I wanted to ask you, just as a pro, and like uh, talking to different people too, everyone has their own opinion. But in your opinion, really, does color matter for the lure? Uh, no. 
And like, so like the, the kind of the school of thought I've adopted, you could tell me I'm wrong, but it's not like, uh, I feel like, um, if you're going to catch something on a fire tiger, you know, it's going to probably hit a white one if you threw it. But on the flip side, you know, black is black. You know, when you want to throw a dark, uh-huh. color, it's kind of like a, a light pattern and a dark pattern. Not necessarily you need a pink, a blue and an orange, you know, here's the deal. And I'll, I'm, I'm shooting as straight shit as I can. Color matters when proximity matters. So if a muskie is willing to move 15, 20, 25, 30 feet to engage with the bait, color doesn't matter because he can perceive it. He doesn't care. Gotcha. When, when minutia matters, when things are shitty, right? That's when I'm going white. I'm going, quote unquote, belly colors. Because my perception of color is this. Natural patterns, perch pattern, crappie pattern, walleye pattern, are disruptive camouflage in nature. So a crappie is not painted to be eaten, nor is a perch, nor is a walleye. Absolutely. But what they all share in common is a white belly. Hmm. So when things are negative or neutral... Everything goes to the bottom. The reason everything goes to the bottom in blue skies is because they all stand out against the blue background. They all have white bellies, including muskies. So a white belly is a negative thing to show, right? Things are bad. Let's go to the bottom. We're in protection mode. The only time I care about color is negative or neutral skies, high bright sun, dead flat calm. I want to show as much white or as much flash as possible that is exuding the I am wounded, I am stupid, I should be on the bottom of the rest of my species to not get eaten. The rest of it don't look like natural forage. Don't don't have disruptive camouflage playing where the side of a crappie is not meant to be seen. He is he is disruptive. Um, a shed has a black spot to sort of shield him. Things have flash. Flash under the water is a, a casting thing, right? Not casting a rod, but they're casting a flash at a distance to uh, to move the eyes of a predator away from them. Hmm. So when I get, theoretically, what, what, what I'm going at is color doesn't matter. Throw black anytime it's good. When shit sucks, throw white. And the reason that's always worked is... A muskie's laying on the bottom. All his food's on the bottom. So a hungry muskie's on the bottom waiting for a fish. So muskies don't feed off the bottom. So if all the prey is on the bottom, we go, okay, I, I better get bottom tight and I'll wait for something to get over my head because I feed up and forward. Yeah. So the only cars that matter are black and white. The rest are just fun and cool. <laughs> Well, like my dad always said, it's got to catch the fishermen first, you know? Well, and it's just like making baits with, with the Titans, right? Every color of Titan I've caught a fish on. I, I'll i tell you that much. I'm not sitting around going, oh, man, these are going to sell, right? <laughs> I go, okay, what works? Where it's like, you know, you got Iceman. Guess what? It's all white. And we got Midnight's all black. If I if it came down to two titans, I'm buying buying those, right? But then you go like Great Flame, where you go purple really works in tannic stained water twenty four seven, or you know brain damage that chartreuse and white really stands out in bad skies. So you know it's not as simple as black and white, but 
conceptually, if you were asking, if you looked at the shit on my boat that I make a living with, it's black and white and orange chartreuse. That's it. Yeah, and that's yeah. pretty much the same color patterns I stick with. I'm with you on that. Yeah, um, you know, you you can crawl down the rabbit hole, but when 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 there's a dude standing looking at you at the end of the day at the dock, going, "Hey, man, what I owe you? You better put one in the boat." In the boat. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. So with that, with the colors, the one thing I, I had a million talking points here, just as, just in case the conversation was running dry, you know. But um, the one thing I, with the we're running wet, boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, with the color, what is the most overrated musky presentation? Fire tiger. Really? All right. Dog so shit. with that, with that, I put I wanted a little sidebar with that. Is it ever the preferred presentation? I've not seen it. Wow, they're breaking my heart, man. You're <laughs> breaking say, my heart. I got, I got there goes like half my lures are going in the trash. <laughs> Break, I'm like fire tiger is the shit, man. So you know? for me, and I, and I'll, I'll pull him into the fray, right? I was talking to my buddy Josh Krieger. He does Northwest Fishing Report, right? I just listened to that today, actually. We were dog shitting all over fire tiger this week, <laughs> like in private, like me and you talking on the phone, right? It's never and now the funny thing about musky fishing, it's all antidotal. Yeah. I my I my experiences differ from your experiences geographically, days of the week. You know, I might be able to fish five days this week or seven days this week and you fish one day and fire tiger kicks ass and it doesn't for me. The least effective collar I have found in my career over all the years from Tennessee, which is the bottom of the habitat range to Loxel, which is the top, it's fire tiger. Wow. Wow. I'm like shocked to hear I'm that. Br- I'm, yeah. I'm a little blown away right now, to be honest. With I got to go throw away half my box. Um, the most, the most effective black. I, I, so I do that. Yeah. We kind of, we knew black was probably either black or white. I would right, have guessed right. to be the most black and white. And then like the problem is this guys will throw, when it comes to white baits, right? So black baits, you go, it's overcast. Put on the black and nickel bucktail or black and orange, right? Always works. You know, right above you guys, you know, we'll go up. And, and what's that lake right right over the border from you guys? Um, Pewaukee? Yeah, probably Pewaukee. No. Lake Geneva? Got, no. Geneva. It is Lake Geneva? Geneva? Yeah, Geneva's clear and it's got those deep weeds, right? Oh, yeah. You know, Geneva, black and silver. Well, no shit, Sherlock, it's clear water or black and orange. But when you look at it, you go, okay, it's a hard silhouette and clear water. Eagle, where I fish a shit ton in Canada, black and orange works in clear water. Tennessee, black and orange works. Um, White works, but the problem with white, and a lot of people, you'll find it's funny, Black has a massive following in musky fishing. Black and silver, black and orange, black and silver, black and orange. But white on white doesn't have a massive following as much as it should. And the reason being because most people fish too high in the water call. So if the conditions are high, bright, sun, dead, flat, calm, or some combination of shitty conditions, and white comes into play, you need to fish low and slow and get it down there. Hmm. Right? The trick is this, and the trick of color is this, level of light penetration. How deep is the light penetrating in the water column? Not how bright is it for you. 
is the light penetrating deep when the water comes because muskies will not break the level of light penetration period. The reason topwaters work in the evening is because muskie can see them. The reason bulldogs and medusas and tubes work in the middle of the day is because they're running far deeper and muskies can see them. Wow. Muskies stage at a depth that they can predate effectively. It's caloric risk versus caloric reward. They're not going to see something on the top water and come 25 feet up and hope they get it. They'll go hypoglycemic. A muskie's like a lion. They can only miss so many times a day. They miss all the time, like you're talking missing top waters. They probably miss one per, one fourth of all their natural predations because bait fish evade. They want a strategic advantage. And their strategic advantage is their size to overcome a piece of natural prey visually. Wow. This is all good insight. Man. <laughs> yeah. This is, you got me thinking deep. Yeah. I'm thinking of all the well, different that, lakes I have like, that I fish and like all the different little characteristics that go with it. So now that, that clears some things up for throwing this there and that there kind of thing, you know, the, the best the, the, and this is ridiculous, but I've done it because I've spent more literally, dude, I've booked more hotel rooms with me and my wife to go like get a buzz on and film baits, which is embarrassing. Like, what we're going to go to the hotel with the pool a mile from our house and get a room so we can film base when nobody's looking right. <laughs> like Titans and stuff. It'll be like dead flat calm. Swim down 10 feet, you know, get on the bottom and look up. And dudes that are scuba divers or snorkelers that have done this. And you look up and it's bright. You can't see anything. Yeah, because it's just your eyes are... Well, just it does, sky. And in my opinion, muskies feed on lateral line first and foremost, but they close the gap visually. So, the reason I've made a career is low and slow. Deep and slow. Well, the one thing in your book, I'll say that I, I, I've always like felt like an outsider because I agree with you on it, but it seems like people want to like you know ostracize you for it, is I'm a low gear ratio bait cast guy. And so, like, mm-hmm. all of my reels are 5.3 to 1. Everyone, yeah. for exactly like you just said, because it's a lot easier to slow down than when you've got an 8 to 1 or something like that, you know? The one so, I have is a 6.1. I consider that my high-speed reel is a 6.1. Guiding, it's funny. So, I, I work with Muskie Shop, who treats me like gold. I love them. I can have anything I want. I want 5.3 to 1s in the boat. That's it. Yeah, you were even. I've, I've even heard in your earlier podcast how you'd uh, take all your line off the spool. If you really see my, my reel, so I fish the old school, you'll see it in Musky Shop TV videos, is the white Revo Toro. It's five, three to one. When I spool that up, I put no more than three quarters of the line on there. The reason being, let me preach, right? Well, preach away, man. The majority of my musky fishing career was done on a Boo Garcia. 6501C3 round rip. That's what I have. Not until recent years do we have these super reels. We had a red one, we had a silver one, and if you're rich, you might have had a black one from the 70s. That was it. <laughs> Real speed is what is keeping most people from catching muskies. We have control of two things fishing speed and depth. That's it. Speed in general means higher running depth. Slower means deeper. That's it. 
the vast majority of my fish that I catch over the course of any given year, and this is just stone cold fact, I move them slow and I figure them fast. That's it. Yeah. I pull them off the bottom and I go, okay, I got to close the gap and then we got to speed it up until they eat it. If you're running a bucktail high in the water column or fast, you're only effective to a fish. He might feel it 10 feet down, but he can't see it unless things are perfect. The weird thing with muskie fishing is most people catch their fish on perfect condition. I've said on the podcast before, which is this. Everyone starts on a bucktail because their guide or their buddy goes, this guy's an idiot. He, can, he can't do anything. He's going to screw anything else up other than blades, right? <laughs> so you start on a bucktail, and you inevitably catch your first muskie on a bucktail. Now you fish that way forever. That's true. It usually, whoever, whatever you catch your first one on is usually what you throw from there on out. You know, <laughs> I'm a, you're yeah. super quote unquote confident, and you go, okay, what do I have to do to to expand my horizons where I'm really confident with a crane bait or a slammer? I'm confident with bulldogs. Blah 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 blah. You have to suffer, and no one wants to suffer. I gotta get That's a crane it. bait that dives uh, a little deeper. Freaking Livingston Litter's pounder, eight to ten feet, and if you're hitting six to five to six, four to six, uh, join the depth raider. But yeah, I got to join a depth raider. You know, and and for me, it's just like I see it. I see it on the boat, and I I guide people, and I love all my clients, and we have the conversation all the time. Like, what's your goal? Right, and this is a weird guy conversation. What's your goal? You know, I'm not taking talking per day. I'm talking for the course of the muskie here. Well, I caught three last year. Like catch five or six. Okay. So, how many days did you fish? Well, I fished, you know, pretty much every week in July, August, and September, and I caught three. So, two, four, six, eight, right, sixteen. Yeah. Do the math. How effective are we for hours of the day? Bucktails and topwater should be relegated to sunup to the first hour after. One hour leading up to sunup and a half hour after dark. Now, that leaves an immense section of the day that we need to be doing other things. All right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that, that, when I, that's kind of like the, that we did change exactly like you're saying because we will still throw the topwater. But like you said, as soon as the sun gets a little warm on the face, it's done, gone, you know? Right. It's, dude, it, as simply as I can put it, is this. Start shallow, move deep, stay deep, move from deep to mid to shallow. That's it. Shallow to mid to deep, stay deep, stay deep, deep to mid to shallow. That's the course of any given day, right? Now, if it's, if it's in the winter and the daylight length is eight hours, it's a truncated adventure. But most summer days what 12 13 hours of sunlight yeah definitely okay okay so let's call it a 12 hour day whatever i'm i'm, I'm no freaking astrometer or whatever the fuck they're called let's say it's a 12 hour day so the first hour and the last hour are kosher for bucktails and topwater right we now have 10 hours that we need to figure out an effective game plan for yeah, and it, it's a it's a much longer gap to fill too than that one hour you're talking about. You got to come up with it, a plan for the entire day, you know. Yeah, and the, dude, the thing is, this is like there are sh muskies running shifts too. 
there are fish that are like highly adept to eating mid-level bait fish. They're typically bigger. What blow, what, what, but just absolutely chaps my ass is this. The month of July is when every, like, if you look, I don't do social media, but you look at social media, right? You see more 50-inch fish freaking in the north section of the musky habitat zone in the month of July, right? Yeah. That's the one, that's the one time things get hot and everything moves shallow and the bait fish moves shallow and they catch 50s and then the rest of the year they're, they're devoid of 50 inches. Well, that's the one time the entire ecosystem has moved shallow. Hmm. And then everybody goes, where did the 50s go? They're, they're forecast behind you. Your uncomfortable fishing structure and understanding, like most, like, I'll say this, and it's whatever, for whatever it's worth, I don't give a shit. 99.9% of people cannot stand to throw at something they can't see. You're right about that. That is very true. Now, back in the day, my dad and I used to set marker buoys on reefs in Canada, right? It was to see where the end was. We didn't have GPS, but we had that visual target. I still do that on reefs to give people a visual target I'm guiding so they have something to throw at. Wow. We, we used to do that, too, even like with the GPS, yep. just so like uh, you weren't constantly looking at a screen. We would find the yep. top of a hump and drop. We used to call them caveman GPS is what we call there them. There you go. That's perfect because it, 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 most people have a problem. I, I didn't even realize this until I got a lot older. We're like, you know, the voice inside my head or the mental visualization that I can do, not everybody can do that. Where I see a point and I go, okay, this dog legs to the right and this is what it looks like and we're 45 feet off and bam, 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 bam right? So having a visual target or something to throw out or some concept to throw out is going to change the game for you. Because muskies are simply not shallow for the vast majority of any given day. I've seen, you know, every day I'm on the water, I'm on the water, I fish pretty much every day of the year for years on years on years. Mornings, evenings, they're shallow. Now we have the majority of the day we need to do something different and the majority of your muskie anglers struggle outside of morning and evening. Unless we got another thing, fish muskies when a thunderstorm's coming. Well, guess what that looks like morning or evening? Yeah, that's true. I, I never thought of it that way. But you're right, it gets real dark and kind of acts as it has the same characteristics of it. I don't give, I, I'll tell you, I, I call barometric pressure dog shit. I call frontal movements, I forget about it. It's level of light penetration. Oh, so you're, right? you're saying that uh, barometric pressure, had, you you don't go by that at all? Not at all. It's dog shit. Oh, okay. Wow. So, let's look at frontal movements as a whole. So, prefrontal usually has some what I call Simpsons cloud, the big puffies, right? <laughs> yeah. It looks lovely. Fishing's usually ass until morning or evening. Maybe the major might kick off with her. You get closer to the system, guess what's happening? Lower light penetration. Fish move higher in the water column, right? Ah! And then the system's coming, and we're on the day of the big front, and fish move even higher and get more active, quote-unquote, because the system. 
Hmm. Well, with panoptics, I see fish on the bottom. They're just as active as they were before the system. The problem is musky anglers were targeting them 35 feet above their head, 20 feet, 15 feet above their head, where they can't even see or feel our presentations. Yeah. I don't think that muskies shut down. This is controversial as shit, and I don't care. <laughs> I don't I don't think muskies shut down a cold front. I think they move to inaccessible places that people are unwilling to target. And I've made a career doing it. For Thank instance, you. like what like you mean like back fingers obeys, or like what do you mean by hiding? Okay, so let's say we're in a clear body water, um, like like XYZ, right? And it has a shallow littoral zone with weeds, but it's clear water. As the front comes in, muskies move in shallower, and the bait, because of the bait fish, by the way, not not the muskies per se, but the bait fish move in shallower, and the muskies follow suit. And then the storm passes, and now we have high black bright skies. And now this clear body of water, you can see the bottom at four feet. Well, a muskie can't lay at four feet and look up and see worth a shit. Right? Right. They're going to move to where can they see? At what point can you not see your lure is where you start looking and then deeper. Hmm. Okay. I don't gauge it on break lines, littoral things, or anything other than that. I go, I can't see my lure four feet down, therefore I'm fishing deeper than four feet here for the rest of the day. I can't see it, you know, eight feet down. So we're fishing eight to 24, you know, somewhere in that neighborhood. So I'm going to focus my energy on the level of light penetration period because I don't, I've caught more muskies. The biggest muskies I've ever caught period in my career has been targeting deep fish. Oh, that's a good point. That's, that's something that we didn't really get a whole lot of experience with where, where we started musky fishing. But uh, we we fished a lot deeper than we ever did. Now, what I can tell you is this, and this this is this is me being an amalgam amalgam of myself and Joe, right? And I love Joe to death. Nothing gets Joe Booker more excited than topwater fishing or shallow water speed fishing, right? Yeah, I'd say that's true the, for most people. Oh yeah. The reason you know Joe Booker as a household name is because he knows how to target deep fish. Wow. Anybody, if they're on top water or blades, anybody can catch them. Yeah, they're kind of served up for you at that point. Yeah. So well, I I can take a chimpanzee and put him on top right and tell him to turn the handle. And he would inevitably catch you. I, I might test this out, boys. That would be amazing. Just <laughs> we, call, we call the TV show Steve and the Chimp. And Steve and the Chimp go out on the Lake of the Woods, and the Chimp turns the handle, and he inevitably catches a musket. I will film that for you. All <laughs> right. Will, yeah, as long as I got yeah, it. Until the Chimp freaks out, and he's like eating me in the boat, which would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to go out there and catch his gear. That would, dude, that would be, I, I'm willing to die for that. Literally. Like, <laughs> like day seven, I just cover my self and chimp and uterus urine right and, and this chimp just kills me that'd be amazing um so blades in top water it's not because it's straight retrieve it's because it's accessible right yeah what's not accessible for most and i'm sorry i'm down the rabbit hole. i'm not trying to hijack your thread no you're good it's conceptual fishing what do you mean by that take away the weeds take away timber we have a point, right? We have a, a point devoid of anything other than the innate structure of the bottom of the league. How do we target that effectively? Okay. Step one, 
where is the level of light penetration? So light is penetrating up to eight feet from the surface down. So I'll give it a foot and I'm going to target nine feet to the transitional point where this point becomes one with the main basin. Most people will never think that way, right? Step two. How do I select lures that appropriately run at that depth? Now you go, I have to have time in the water. I have to have experimentation and know my tackle box in and out. And like me and Joe, me and Joe talk about it. You go, and I know one of you is a guitar player. You go, okay, there's a humbucker and there's a single coil. And a single coil squawks and a humbucker growls. But if I show the average dude on the street, I show him a Telecaster or a Les Paul, he doesn't know which one sounds squawky and which one sounds growly because he's never played one. Yeah, I'd be that guy. That'd be me. <laughs> right? So I have to experiment. And I have to understand the concept of structure. I have to understand where the level of light penetration is. Now I need to understand the running depths of my baits in a serious manner. Right? So this bait generally runs at X, Y, and Z. Now, the third component being speed. Where am I at seasonally? What base do I have that runs slow at 12 feet? That's hard. What base have action in a slow cadence at 12 feet? What baits have action at 8, 10, 12 feet at a fast manner, in a fast manner? That's the question. That's what gets people. The difference between catching muskie every single day or not is if they're not shallow, 99.9% .9 of people are screwed. So that was the uh, situation that we ran into last week. Um, and we were trying to, we were really digging deep, trying to find what actually goes deep and we're trying to target deeper areas. And mm -hmm. uh, do you, I'm sure you know what a flatfish is, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I got a fish on a flatfish. Um, right. In about Runs eight four feet to water. five, yeah, yep. And so he uh, was sitting at eight, and he came out. He, the fish had staged at eight, and your bait was running four to five. Yeah, and, and it, it was. Uh, I don't know. That that was a good. That was a good lesson learned type of thing where you really got it because that that bait is really good at having a lot of action, slow retrieval, super deep. You know, right. deep in you know relative terms. Yeah, well, that hump was yep. also surrounded in like thirty to fifty feet of water. Oh too. yeah, like it was. It well, was like an classic. island that got washed away classic which is big fish stage on shallow deep water adjacent areas yeah we and we did get one on there with a with a big medusa too mm -hmm. and it, it just boils down to that it's is no one needs my assistance or musky 360 or joe booker's assistance on blades and toppler that's it you don't need help throw it at the shallow zones you got two most people like i said are effective for two hours a day what are you doing for the other 10, 12, 13 hours, six hours, whatever you might have? That's a good, yeah. I mean, it, it, like I said, put the chimp on the boat. He'll catch trophy class muskies. <laughs> I'm like, for two hours a day, that chimp is just kicking ass on Lake of the Woods. The rest of the time, he's, he's eating bananas and, and attacking somebody. <laughs> so, uh but switching gears a little bit, tell us, so what are your, what are your main gripes about like uh, some stuff in the muskie industry in general? What do you, uh, cause I, I know I, like you were talking to, uh, you know, a little bit earlier about like every, you know, it's kind of like the biggest dick contest, right? Um, yeah. I'm sorry. I said that. Sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> but do you get a lot of people attacking you? No, I, I, it's listen, 
I just fly my own flag, dude. You know, I don't, I, I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm, we're going to give away tactics that work. That's it. Right? Here's what I do. I'm going to tell you, like, a, I'm going to call strikes and balls like I see them. Maybe I don't like a bait. That's my opinion. Maybe I love a bait. That's my opinion. Yeah. Right? Don't buy it because I said buy it. Check it out. Or don't. I might say something sucks and it just just kill on your water. Right? Yeah. Um. I just want to change the musky business from what has been, which is you must come to me because you cannot catch them. Right. Yeah. That is how it's been done. Um, I'll I'll show you. Look what I did is my joke. And I've said this a lot. And the joke title of my book forever was look what I did. Right. If you can imagine a book of just like me on the cover and every picture is me holding a 50 inch. Look what I did. Yeah. That's musky fish. Here's a taste. Here's what you could have if you paid me. <laughs> Right. No, I was just wondering, like, you know, I don't know. It seems like, uh, the, you know, there's the things that you don't see that you kind of can sit back and speculate on is like, what's the infighting like? You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing that I was wondering. Uh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it gives a fuck. I don't lose sleep. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I, 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 I'm like Popeye is what it is. And what I want to do is I want to get emails from people that said, Hey dude, we did what you told us to do on our weekend trip. We had a great time. Or three times this week, I've gotten text message from people that said, Hey, have you fished this? Like, yeah, I fished it. And I gave them waypoints or, Hey, I'm going to Eagle on my own for the first time. They give me waypoints. Yeah, cool. I don't care. That's helpful. That's very helpful. Here's yeah, my waypoints. Yeah. I mean, I, I, Dude, if I never catch another muskie, you won't hear me, bitch. Don't care. Oh, come I'll, on. I, Maybe a little bit. I, I, I don't care anymore. <laughs> I, I catch them. I hand them. I have not reeled in a muskie in so long. Honest to goodness, I think it was in the last muskie shop video, is I had a really good client of mine, mine named Mary Glenn. She's a female client. She's super fun. She said, can I net one? Right. So we put up actually Riley did that too. So I have two good clients on Musky Shop TV that have never netted a fish. Oh wow. And they want to practice netting. Those are the last two muskies I've ridden since I was in Canada the last time. I mean, you you just think about it, that's the thing that you get the least practice on sometimes, right? I mean right. you can, and, you can and throw it, them, you can it, retrieve them. And and we're talking that. And that's just like, dude, you're asking about infighting. If if you're if you're a guide or you're a bait maker or you're a personality in the sport of musket fishing, God bless you. I don't care. Do 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 your best and treat people well. I don't give a fuck about the rest. I love that like my I will die on the side of a bluegill pond somewhere in Oklahoma. I've already <laughs> bought the land. And at a certain point I will never musky fish again. And I will sit there and, and drink a beer with my wife and have a heart attack when I catch a 10-inch bluegill. Musk, <laughs> musk, being the best musky fisherman on planet Earth is not my goal. Being the biggest name in musky fishing is not my goal. No one will ever surpass my best friend, Joe Booker. He's, he, he's done it. He's Led Zeppelin, right? 
everybody else is a cover band. <laughs> don't give a shit. I don't lose sleep over it. I want to share my passion with as many people that want the help. Yeah, if you want the that. if you want the help, listen. If you don't get fucked, don't give a shit. Well, Steve, we won't hang. We won't hold you up anymore. I know you're a busy guy. <laughs> oh my goodness, man! I've rambled on for what four days. So. <laughs> oh okay, no, anyway. I, I, I greatly appreciate it. Just hate to talking to you, man. Yeah, I, I hate tying you up for too long. You know. Well, you guys are amazing. I look forward to. I know you guys are going to be doing content that we're going to put here on Muskie 360 coming up, and you know, I think it's a really neat perspective of, of you know, for me. And it, you were just asked about this whole thing of that here I'm getting down the rabbit hole. I don't give a shit if I guess you must be a winner. <laughs> well, a lot of people do. And I think it's a neat perspective of people that have, you know, you got the weekend to do it or you got a couple weeks a year. What can we do that's actually effective? Because, you know, I, I find myself at times pontificating about no one understands structure fishing. Well, maybe I have an important job where I can't crawl down the rabbit hole. I think it's a cool perspective from your guys' end of what is actually applicable for somebody that's not on the water seven days a week. Yeah, because, I mean, like, most of the time, you know, we'll work five, six days a week. You get off of work after three hours of sleep, and then you're on the water for six hours, and you got, you know, right. and the weather is the, what, what it is. And you, it's, it's yeah. going to be Saturday afternoon, Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon kind of thing, you know. Make it work. And you got well, awesome. to come up with something, so. Awesome, guys. Well, I appreciate having me on. It, it, it was a pleasure, and I hope we do it again in the future. Oh, anytime you want. You let me know. Thanks a bunch, Steve. Yeah, thank you so much. Mm-hmm.